Broadcasting live from Los Angeles. It's the number one high school football recruiting podcast on the planet. The Transparent Truth, hosted by the coach and Greg Biggins. The Transparent Truth. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening live to the Transparent Truth. Turn your radio dials up. This is Coach Keith. Here with my boy Greg Biggins. We're going to get to some recruiting news really quickly. Before we do that, let's run down the cap of the show. We're talking the Alabama camp. Performance analysis. Top West Coast guys out there in Alabama. And a couple of East Coast guys. We got a controversial conversation and debate talking holdbacks. Parents who hold their kids back for athletic purposes. We also have the number one player in the class of 2017. Jalen Phillips, UCLA's phenomenal freshman. Defensive and outside linebacker from Redlands East Valley. Last but not least, we're going to cap off the show with the top five players of 2017 and take a look at their future at the college level and beyond. So it's time to get the party rocking and rolling. I'm going to hand it over to my boy GB for recruit news. Greg, what you got for us? The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We got a ton of recruiting notes for the last week, Coach Keith. Lots to talk about. We can't even get to all of it because I know we got a little bit about the Bama camp. Going to talk offers. I know you're going to get into all that probably another episode. Maybe next week we can talk about that since you were actually there. But uh, we're talking Bama's camp. We're talking the Washington Huskies big camp and a new quarterback commitment from them. So uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, locally, UCLA picked up a commitment from Devin Cooley, St. John Bosco wide receiver uh, via Buena Park High School. Cooley is one of our top wide receivers out west. Play some safety too, but I really think uh, wide receiver is where he was recruited, where his upside is the best. I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good college player. And also, you don't see this very often. Uh, UCLA flipped a running back who was previously committed to them, AJ Carter, out of Louisiana, early quarter, early running back commitment. Camped at LSU, his kind of his dream school. Got an offer from the Tigers, commits to the Tigers, and coach Ed Arsron. And then just a week later or so, he flips back to UCLA. You really don't see that often where a guy decommits from a school and goes back to that same school. So uh, good job by UCLA to get A.J. Carter back, talented, talented running back. We had Brennan Jackson from Great Oak High School going to Washington State. I like Brennan a lot. He's an athletic pass rusher off the edge. Looked good on that seven-on-seven squad this past year playing ground zero ball uh, outside linebacker. But he's going to be at hand in the ground, defensive end, nice burst off the edge. Let's stay with the Great Oak uh, theme here, Jack Lamb. Basically down to two schools, UCLA and Notre Dame. Also looking at Oregon, Penn State, and Washington. But I think right now it's a two-team race. UCLA, Notre Dame, uh, he'll be up at UCLA probably next week. They have a, a big unveiling for their new facilities. And I think right now, I think UCLA getting that last visit might be crucial. Uh, he'll probably decide sometime, I believe, in early August. Let's jump over to the Washington Huskies. What a great weekend for them. Dylan Morris, one of our top 2019 quarterbacks. They locked him in, went ahead and committed to the Huskies. So uh, Washington is set there. This is a kid I love. Top 50 player, uh, easily in the class, if, if not even higher. I mean, a guy who don't, may not blow you away with just his size or just the arm strength, but, man, can he play quarterback. Just smart, uh, heady. Uh, feel for the position, poised. He's a leader. He's a winner. Throws with touch and accuracy. I just I love the way he plays the game. But 
Washington offered a ton of kids. Josh Delgado, Chachi, uh, wide receiver, 2019 from St. John Bosco, 2020. Kendall Milton from Buchanan. Uh, the guy has a man body right now. Bryce Young, Cathedral High School, 20 quarterback. We've talked about Bryce a ton. Love the way he plays. Johnny Wilson, uh, 2020 wide receiver from Calabasas. This guy looks like a man uh, as well. 6'3", 6'4", kid who can really play. Isaiah Foskey, the big 2019 tight end from Concord De La Salle. And kind of a sleeper, uh, Cameron Davis from Upland. Didn't play a whole lot last year. Kind of a backup role at running back, but had a really impressive camp. And they went ahead and offered him as well there. So uh, jump over to Bama again, just going over some new offers. Brandon Caho, longtime BYU commit. I think that's a very soft commitment right now. I think Alabama really wowed the kid, and I heard he really wowed them as well. Talking to some people that were there, they said Caho might have been the best overall player at this camp. Caho lands an offer. All kinds of West Coast love from the Tide coaching staff. DB's Max Williams, Jeremiah Cradell, 2019 corners, both got offers. Isaiah Crocker, uh, Northern California wide receiver, uh, was at the opening, really athletic player. He lands an offer. Savelle Smalls, 2020 defensive end out of Washington. Uh, Brennan Huffman's been talking about this guy to me since he was in eighth grade. Uh, he picks up an offer. Also, Isaiah Rutherford, 2019 corner out of Jesuit, also a Northern California kid, big 6'2 corner. That was his first offer, so not a bad deal to get your first offer from the University of Alabama. And then Jacob Conover from Chandler, Arizona, a state champion last year, 2019 quarterback, lands an offer from Alabama as well. And then got to throw in Chris Steele, already had a Bama offer, but he was out there doing his thing as well. So all kinds of recruiting news and notes, and that's just the beginning, Coach. A lot, lot going on out west right now. Wait a minute, Greg Bates. I'm the coach. Coach K. I got the heat. Analysis. Performance analysis from the Alabama camp right here, right now. It's time to bring it to the table. Starting off with Jeremiah Martin. The DN outside linebacker from Colorado High School. 6'3", 230 pounds, long and athletic, rangy, also a basketball player. Looked nice in drills, did it really well dropping in coverage, pass rush, showed some handwork and some flexibility on the edge. Did a nice job securing his scholarship offer from the springtime. Isaiah Crocker in Durham High School outside Sacramento. Slot receiver, explosive out of his break, smooth route runner, great hands. Pluck balls out the air all day long. Needs to get in the weight room, get a little stronger, but man, is he smooth. Reminds me of a young Chad. Ocho Cinco, Johnson. How about this? Jared Bell, sleeper, O-line prospect out of Norco, Norco, California. Came out, turned an ankle at the camp, pushed through the pain, and let me tell you something. There was gold at the end of the tunnel. Earned an offer from the Crimson Tide. Jared Bell did a nice job. He was physical. He was stout at the point. Moved his feet well. Really, really battled. Competed well. He was relentless in the trenches. Did a nice job. What about here in the 2019s? Max Williams put on a dominant performance on day two at the camp. He was a lockdown corner on the outside. They put him at the nickel. He was fast and physical. Made a couple of spectacular plays that I got on tape. He did a real nice job. Chris Steele, St. John Bosco. Fast, physical, aggressive corner. Got in the hip pocket and ran with guys all day long. Got his hands on guys in the line of scrimmage. Did a nice job. Secured his offer. So did Max. Isaiah Rutherford, Jesuit High School. We talked about him a little earlier. Long, 10, 700 meter guy. 
long leg, long arm, a little bit raw in his technique, a little bit raw in his IQ, but you can see the upside. Should be a big time player. Interesting one here, Jeremiah Cradell. Physically, ready to play college football right now. Six feet, athletic, explosive, strong, can make all the plays and make all the movements. Did a really nice job on day one, struggled a little bit on day two, then bounced back on day three. Joseph Forrest, Orange Lutheran, 2019 corner. Weighed in at 160 pounds. He's very athletic, covered really, really well. On days one, two, and three. Really like him. He was our sleeper of the week a few weeks back. Kick and play. Saban really likes him. The staff really likes him. Saban needs to get stronger, get bigger. But they love his coverage ability. Did not earn an offer, but definitely turned some heads. 2020, Sabelle Smalls out of Washington, Garfield. Wow, I was blown away by this guy. Six foot four, 245 pounds, moved like a ballerina, caught it like an outside receiver, bend the corner like he was Reggie White. Man, he was a big-time player. Big-time kid, too. Savelle Smalls, man. Garfield High School. Look out for him. Maybe the number one player in the 2020 class. Big-time dude. Couple sleepers that were out there. Zaire Thornton, the guy we talked about on the show not too long ago. I lived with high school. Six foot two, 225 pounds, defensive and outside linebacker. Moved around well. Competed hard in drills. Made a couple plays on the quarterback. Needs to tighten up his technique. Needs to be committed to the weight room. Get a little bit more tuned in and locked in mentally. He's got a nice upside. Dazzling worship. I was blown away by this cat. 2020 receiver out of Alabama. And man, was this guy bad. From Trustville, Alabama. Man, he looked like a young Odell Beckham Jr. He had the blonde hair. And let me tell you, he's been running the best routes I've seen all offseason from any kid. He get the top speed and he can stop on a dime and come back to that ball. He'd, he'd be at the 10-yard mark. He'd leave you at the 15-yard mark for change. Boy, he was nice. He had soft hands. When he caught the ball, you didn't even hear it touch his hand. Like a suction cup. Boy, he was a big-time guy. Dazzling worship. Look out for him. He's already got six offers. Two SEC offers. Man, I thought he was spectacular. Big, big time player. Last but not least, we got George the Animal Steele. George Steele, also from Alabama. Can't remember his high school right now. You know what? He goes to center point. That's right. He goes to center point in Birmingham, Alabama. And man, was he physical at the line of scrimmage. He's a cornerback. And he was choking guys out literally at the line of scrimmage. Literally put his hands around guys' neck and almost dropped him to their knees. I thought he was Conor McGregor. George the Animal Steel out of Center Point High School in Birmingham, Alabama. 2018 prospect. Playing the corner, doing his stuff. Got a little bit of time to spend with these guys personally out there, especially from the West Coast. Some terrific personalities. I told those guys I'd mention them on the show beyond the football field. Jeremiah Martin, Jeremiah Martin from Cajon, we called him the captain. Jeremiah's got a lot of leadership ability, but man, is he a funny cat. Isaiah Crocker, always joking around, okay? Kalen Gerber, 
serious most times, compact physical football player, but a really great kid. Max Williams, we call him antisocial. Max is just a quiet dude. He walks around town with a towel over his head. Chris Steele, the silent assassin. Doesn't say much, but man, once he gets going, you better look out. Jeremiah Cradell, just a clown in the making. I tell you what, if they had a stand-up comedy show, this guy could get paid some money. He had us cracking up laughing the entire trip. What a funny character he is. Joseph Forrest, kind of everything mixed between. He can be quiet at times, he can be funny at times. They had a really great time. Just so happened to spend some time with those guys out there in Alabama. And Greg, you know, a bunch of 15 and 16-year-olds. And there's some guys that are 16 in the third grade. Nowadays, it seems like, Coach, um, kind, of brings <laughs> up a, kind of brings up an interesting discussion. I, I think we probably need to, we need to have that discussion. Yeah, about we do. The whole holdback situation, uh, the pros, the cons. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What's the message you're sending? Um, what are your thoughts on, on just players? And uh, it seems like a lot more with quarterbacks in any other position, although it happens in the South at every position. But out West, you see a lot of quarterbacks maybe repeating eighth grade. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so like you said, in the South it happens a lot. But, you know, my thoughts, um, they, they vary. So the first thing that comes to mind is natural development, mm-hmm. right? As a kid naturally develops, so do his talents, so do his abilities, and so on and so forth. And I think it's important for parents to understand that natural that maturation process and that natural maturation process. I think a lot of parents jump the gun because they don't see their their daughter or their son developing as fast as the parent would like to see. Um, and I think one reason why they hold them back is they're trying to speed up or excuse me, slow down the process, right? They're trying to slow it down to create an advantage for their child. And I know what a lot of parents like to say, oh, we're doing it for the school. We're doing it for school purposes. We're doing it because of school. Okay. Does it look like I'm a fool? That's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you're trying to create an advantage for your son or daughter. You're trying to create an advantage over their peers so that they can stand out. I think that's kind of weak. So just to jump right in there, as a parent, and I don't have a hard, fast line either way, honestly. I I see both sides of it. I I wouldn't personally do it. But for me, it's not even about slowing down the process. We're seeing kids that are already elite. You know, in seventh grade, that are still being held back because, again, like you said, they want to create that competitive advantage and give their kid the best chance to come in and shine and play early and hopefully, man, God, God willing, get a college scholarship. You're going to college for free. As a parent, aren't we? I'm just playing devil's advocate. Aren't we always trying to give our kid the best advantage we can get in every aspect of life? So if you're, so why not in football? What, what do you? Why not in football? Would be, I guess, my question for you. I think it's a, it's a physical maturity issue. A 19-year-old senior playing against a 15-year-old sophomore or a 14-year-old freshman on a varsity field seems unfair to me. Do I want my kids to have advantages? No. I don't want my kid personally to have the advantages. I want my kid to work his tail off, prepare to dominate, and then go out and dominate. I don't want to create an advantage for him that says, you know what, we're going to take a shortcut in terms of your abilities, in terms of your production. We're going to cut corners. We're going to cheat, quote unquote, 
the process and cheat your peers and their parents. I don't believe in that. I, I think it's weak. Uh, for those parents who do it, it's your choice, your prerogative, that's fine. To me, I think it's weak. I think it shows weakness in a parent. And I think that weakness, nine times out of 10, gets filtered down to the kid. Now, as, you, as they move forward and get older, I think all things even out and level out, right? Because you get to college, everybody's big, everybody's fast, everybody can move. And I think being held back, it's kind of going to even out once they get older into that college system and that college time period. But creating the advantage of holding your kid back once or twice, to me, I think I think it's weak. I understand why you do it. You want the college scholarship. I get it. I'm not going to do it for my six-year-old son, Austin. I'm not going to do it for my eight-year-old daughter, Giselle, or my soon-to-be two-year-old, Skyler. They're going to learn how to work, prepare, and be determined. And God willing, if they're good enough, they're going to earn those that scholarship or those scholarships. And we don't have to rely on trying to cheat the system for you for them to get to where they want to go. I think that sets a precedent um, to the kid. I think that sets a precedent to the family and to the people around you that you're willing to cheat and cut corners to gain an advantage over others. That's not what I teach my son. In my household, we have a term, uh, a coin phrase. We're going to do everything right. And that's inside the classroom, in the household, and in sports. What message am I sending to my child when I say, you know, we're going to hold you back, not one year, we're going to hold you back two years so that you can be bigger, faster, stronger than all the guys you play against? So I'm not, I'm not a fan of the two-year holdback at all. The, the one-year holdback, I, I think it's a little extreme to say you're cheating the system because you're not cheating the system. You're allowed, you have, there's a rule where you can be a certain age. You have to be, you know, what, 19 by the time you're, so as long as you're within those parameters, it's not necessarily cheating um, the system. I think the problem that I see in it, and the, the only real negative I see in it, is I feel like you're sending a message to your kid at a, at a young age when you decide that maybe hold them back, and especially for the double hold back, is your whole life revolves around a sport. And if it doesn't work out for you, then it's why I'm not a fan of kids transferring 18 different times from high school to high school to high school. And I feel like you're sending a message to your kid that your whole life is about football, and we're going to hold you back for this one purpose, is to get you a scholarship somewhere. You know, honestly, some kids just aren't developed. They're not ready. If you want to hold a kid back, uh, it, honestly, it doesn't bother me that much. Double hold back is different. I feel you're instilling in your kid that his whole life is geared around just one thing. And for me, you know, I, I feel like success in life is about a lot more things than just one thing. And I think that's the message you send to your kid. Uh, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely uh, when you see a kid like a Real Mitchell, like a Tanner McKee, who's, I think, Still 16, 17. Tanner's young. Yeah. I feel like those definitely are the guys who are more of the rarity now, whereas before it used to be like, oh, a guy who's holding back, that's that's shocking. Now it's almost shocking when someone's not being held this back. This is true. This is so true. I get it. I just feel like, man, college is so expensive for some people. Everyone wants that dream. And if they want to give your kid, and I know it's different, but, man, would you, if you could, would you give your kid the, the best personal trainer in the world? You give the kid the best supplements he could. You get a tutoring for school. Those are all advantages that you're trying to help your kid out. Obviously, apples and oranges. I get that part of it. Sure. Um, but but I still feel like you know what? There is some pluses. There are some minuses. So it's it's definitely an interesting discussion to have. No, it is. And you know, we know some kids who have been held back, and we don't want to mention any names on here. But again, 
I wouldn't do it for my kids. Uh, my all three of my kids are, you know, they're athletes. They love sports, and uh, you know what? It, setting the tone and setting the structure of how to do things right as an adult starts when they're small, right? And to say that you know it's within the rules, you can hold them back. But morally, is it fair? Is it fair to create an advantage over your peers by holding your kid back based on athletic reasons? It's not necessarily fair. Yeah. You know, I understand this is within the rules, but it's not necessarily fair. Especially, to, you know, when you talk to kids who, who started school early, right? Like a Real Mitchell, right? Who's, you know, started at St. John Bosco at 13 years old. You know, so... Yeah. Um, you know, we all know sports are a level playing field, right? I mean, there are some kids who are just blessed with a, with a gene pool. Sure. That, that's just not fair. For, when we saw Xavier Thomas at the opening, the kid 6'3", 260. Yeah. It, was that fair? That's just God blessed him with a certain gene pool that not every kid's going to have. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's never going to be a level playing field. So, I mean, that's why I, I, I kind of get it. And I know every parent, you know, if the kid wants to go to college somewhere, it does level out once they get out of high school, but I think that parent doesn't care. He didn't care about college or anything. He just thinks, I just want to get my kid to a college somewhere. And if this gives him the best chance, that's why I'm not ready to really go off on that parent. It, I wouldn't do it personally, yeah. um, but I get when someone else makes that choice. Yeah, I'm not going off on him. You know, I don't want to get this Mr. Show. I'm not going off on the parent. I just, to me personally, I think it's weak. Um, I, thought, I think it shows a little bit of weakness. I think it shows a lack of confidence in your kid. Um, my kids won't be doing it. They're going to learn to work. They're going to learn to do things right. And they're going to learn to, you know, fight through all the adversities to get to where they want to go. For, for those parents who held their kid back, I wish you and your kid a lot of hard luck. I wish you hard times. I wish you difficult situations. You know why? Because you need something to fight through. You created a situation to try to make it easy for your kid or easier for your kid based on holding them back. So I wish you difficult times so that your kid can fight through the adversity and, and really face the adversity that other kids are facing at the age they're supposed to face it. It's never easy. It's never easy. And like I feel like you, you're wishing hard luck and hard times on a computer, but you're not, you're not going off. No. That's not going off. What, what, what would no, be going no, off? No, no, no. Wanting the kid I, to die in a football No, no, no. Wishing hard luck and hard times, I'm only wishing it so that they can fight through the adversity because there, their parents... It's not going to be adversity. No matter well, if you're 18 years old as a parent, yeah, it's never going to be. No, no, this is true. But their parents have tried to make it as smooth and as easy of a, of a, of a pathway as possible. And in my experience, those situations never pan out at the ultimate goal. And so when I say I wish them hard luck, I wish them difficult times. It's only because I want to see them fight through the adversity and fight through difficult stretches that some parents have tried to make smooth and easy for them so they wouldn't have to. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I, I still don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I still feel like even if you're held back and you repeat eighth grade, it's still going to be extremely difficult. A lot of these guys that are coming in now, they're having to play varsity as, as freshmen or even as sophomores, they're still playing with guys that are a little bit older than them. Yes, they're older than the people in their own grade, mm -hmm. but they're still not the oldest people that are playing high school football until their senior year. But they're so, competing with the guys for scholarships who there are a year, year and a half, two years older than them. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, you know, again, we can have this discussion Absolutely. all day. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are holding your, your kid back, that's your choice. Um, I, I wouldn't do it for my kid, but you are entitled to your own and good luck with your situation. For my three kids at home, you ain't getting to hold back. You better get on that concrete and run these sprints. You better get up in that room and get on these squat jumps. You better get in the backyard and start swinging that back. You know, you know who does those things, Coach? Who does? Jalen Phillips does those things. Wow. You like that? Wow. Like that little, little segue right into that? Jalen Phillips, baby. Hey, the number one player, 2017, Jalen Phillips, Redlands East Valley, UCLA five-star defensive end. He's already making some preseason All-American teams. How about that? He's so good. Like, literally, I mean, a lot of times you, you see a guy rated highly, and you can still see, like, you know what? There's a chance that he maybe won't succeed. I see no chance outside of injury that this guy will not be a dominant college player three years and out. I mean, he has that kind of upside. Not just because we've seen great talents, but when you talk to Jalen for at least five seconds, when you spend any amount of time, you see just, just how committed he is. How passionate he is, yep. how hard he works off the field, his integrity as a human being, yep. just with the 4.0 student, and just the way he makes his decisions and life choices. He, he wasn't held back. I mean, as far as we know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask him. Yeah. But I, honestly, just the fact, the way he handles himself as a man already is just very so impressive. impressive to me. Very, very impressive. Without further ado, turn your speakers up. We got the number one player in the country, Jalen Phillips. Coach Keith, got a special guest here. We don't do this very often, getting a college freshman on the show. We've only done five, but still very, very special guy, special talent. A kid we've known for a, a lot of years. Very pleased to have Mr. UCLA freshman Jalen Phillips as part of the show. Uh, Coach Keith, you kind of fired up about Jalen being on here? Oh, no question. You know, Jalen is uh, a special talent, but a special kid. Uh, had the chance to get to know him over the course of the last couple of years, and it's our first number one rated guy to join the Transparent Truth. So shout out to my guy, Jalen Phillips. Jalen, how you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling great. Happy to have you guys out here. It's happy to be here. It's living life, man. It's a beautiful campus, man. I don't get up to UCLA very often. Some people will say it's because I'm a USC homer, but uh, just a beautiful place, man. I really like it out here. But uh, let's just jump in. I don't All kinds of directions I want to go. Obviously, mm -hmm. we'll talk about your recruitment, talk about spring ball. But uh, one thing I, I found very interesting for me, uh, kind of talking a little bit off camera, was just uh, a lot of people when they're five and six, they have just a passion for a sport, football, um, and they just that just drives them. But for you, you kind of explain your, your kind of passion for football came a little bit later, actually kind of recently, yeah? Can mm -hmm. you kind of tell that story a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, growing up, a lot of people, because the way my mom uh, raised me, she didn't ever want me to, to be dependent on one certain thing. She wanted me multifaceted in everything I did. So growing up, Played the piano, played you know three, four sports. Basically, just did everything I could to become more of a like overall like a whole person. Sure. Um, so you know, yeah, growing up, I played travel ball, and then I'll be in football season. So I could never really fall in love with one particular sport. I just love competing. I love sports in general. Huge on you know sports. I'd watch professional sports and see statistics. Be all into that. Uh, and then so. You know, in high school, I never really thought about playing football at the next level. So I just, you know, went about, got my grades right. I actually, like, my plan was to go to Stanford on an academic scholarship and just you know, be that, try to be a businessman or whatever, be able to Silicon Valley, all that just. Um, but uh, I kind of started to realize, you know, once I realized my talent, that football was what I was going to do. 
Um, so, you know, once I, once I realized that football I was going to do, I, I just kept grinding with that, quit baseball and just focus on that. Um, and so, I mean, everything kind of came pretty fast. Uh, and then I kind of had a lot of time to think uh, once I got here because, you know, I've been here out by myself having to do everything. Uh, and I just kind of realized that I feel like this is my purpose in life. You know, it's more than football. And so I, I say I have a passion for the game because I know that I'm going to be able to use my talents and what God gave me to help other people to, you know, use my platform to to really, you know, affect other people. Amen. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to talking about you as a, as a young guy and kind of being a well-rounded individual. Tell me a little bit about youth sports. So, so right now we have an emphasis going on across the country in youth sports and really specialization into youth sports. Guys training for football year-round or baseball year-round. Talk a little bit about what do you think about guys kind of focusing on one area at such a young age? See, I think that everybody should just play as many sports as possible. I mean, I, I can't, you know, obviously this is just speaking from my perspective because it you know, happened to happen out for me. Uh, but, you know, growing up, if I didn't play baseball, if I didn't play basketball, this and that, you know, I possibly couldn't have had some of the skills I have for football. You know, baseball training, hand-eye coordination, basketball training, coordination, it's, uh, you know, stamina, everything like that. So being able to do that and just, just competition in general just breeds success. So if you're out there only playing one sport, um, you know, you might not be able to experience some things that you experience in other sports such as baseball, such as basketball. Uh, just being able to uh, better yourself, uh, not even in terms of like being an athlete, but just as a teammate, being able to you know work with teammates, go through the ups and downs of different you know uh, situations than just football, or just basketball. So I mean, I definitely recommend people play as many sports as possible to find what they love. So from a football standpoint, I guess we classify you as kind of a late bloomer, right? You weren't that freshman phenom who came in and had like eight sacks as a freshman. You didn't. Your first varsity game, you kind of mentioned, was your was your state championship game of your sophomore year. Uh, hadn't played varsity as a sophomore up until that point, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, if you can, I mean, going from not playing, playing JV, all of a sudden state championship game, playing against Clayton Valley, bunch of monsters out there in Northern California. If you can, what was that whole experience like for you? I mean, like like I said, I told you in the off, off uh, microphone, but... You know, just being thrown into the, the game like that with no experience before. Like you said, I didn't start any games before. Our coach didn't let freshmen play varsity. So, you know, you see a lot of these kids have been playing varsity for four years. All that. I didn't. I literally know know who I was. I didn't even know who I was as a football player. So I get thrown into that game, and it's a huge stage. You know, it's in the Stubhub Center. It's thousands and thousands of people. Big, like, a, you know, biggest crowd I've ever seen personally in a high school football game. Um, and so I just kind of had to go out there, and I knew that I had to do what I had to do so we could win because I didn't want to mess up in front of the big stage. You know, we got people back home watching, got everybody coming out supporting us. Um, so, I mean, when it came down to it, at the end, I had my opportunity, uh, you know, block the extra point uh, to win the game and then recover the fumble to uh, seal the win. Um, so I was just coming after that. Uh, and then after that, I got my first offer, uh, my – going into my junior year in the summer uh, from uh, University of Washington as a tight end, actually. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I just went to the camp, played mm -hmm. tight end for a little bit because, I, like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't even want, really want to play football, so I just showed up, started yeah. competing, whatever. They offered me, and at that point, that was just, like, literally changed my life. Because as you just sit there like, wow, I am guaranteed to 
go to college for free, get a free education. And, you know, being able to have an offer from Washington, it was prestigious university as my first offer, was, you know, pretty amazing because at that point I knew that I was, that's what I was going to do. So I put all my focus on that, all my attention on that, and just kind of roll with it from there. And we talk a lot about confidence, Keith and I. You can just tell a, a confident player, and you can tell a guy has no confidence at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you got the offer from the Husky as a tight end, and not to jump ahead, but watching you with Team Ainga, shout out to our guy, George Malou, Troy Lau. You were yeah. an unbelievable tight end uh, on the tour, but I didn't know you had the offer from the Huskies. But uh, you blocked the extra point. Junior year, you came out just on fire. And I remember watching some, some mid, early to mid games and just being blown away by your ability as a stand-up outside linebacker, just plays all over the sideline, sideline to sideline, rushing the passer, just the energy, the passion you play with. I was, I was, I mean this in a masculine way, just fell in love with yeah. the way you played the game. Mm -hmm. But if you can, how, how much did your confidence get boosted by the way you finished off your sophomore year, off from the Huskies, now you're kind of just rolling as a junior? So, I mean, my dad instilled in me when I was young, his three rules for me were stay focused, have a good attitude, and give 100% effort. So going out, like I said, even going out to the state championship game, I didn't necessarily have the skills or tools that other people had, but all, I knew all I had to do, stay focused, and no matter what, roll the punches and give all my effort. And so I think, you know, part of one of the biggest parts of my game is my motor and just the effort I, I put in with that. So even if, you know, I don't do necessarily the right thing or have the right technique, my, my effort's going to make up for it. Um, so I think people notice that because I never really realized that um, you know, sophomore, junior year, because I've said this before, I still don't know why, you know, you guys have to rank number one or whatever. Like, I just think I'm a regular football player. But I know personally that I'm a, I'm a game changer. I'm not going to say that in, like, arrogant way or whatever, but I just know in my heart and I'm confident enough to know that when I step on that field that I'm going to affect what's happening. And I think you have to have that confidence because if you're just out there roaming around, you know, worried about messing up, then you're going to play slow. you got to play fast. you got to just put in your mind – that, you know, you're going to go out there and do what you know how to do at 100% effort and whatever happens, happens after that. So your junior year hits. You get your first offer kind of in the summer of going into your junior year. Mm -hmm. You come out your junior year, he's, he's flying around. He's knocking the hell out of people with the ball. He's making plays. You fast forward, you know, a year, some months later, you're rated the number one football player in the country. When you got that title, when you got that belt, what did that mean to you? On the inside, what did that mean? I know on the outside, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, I'm a player. What did it mean on the inside? Because I know you somewhat, and I know about the hard work that you've endured and engaged in over the course of your high school career and probably before that. So what did it mean internally to Jalen Phillips to be recognized for all of your talents and your hard work and your effort? Just being, like you said, being able to be recognized for everything I put in. Because a lot of people don't realize what you put in mentally, physically, all that. So going through that and, you know, it's been growing up, you know, especially because I was big in high school football, starting from my freshman year. So you're seeing the number one players in the nation. You watch them, you idolize them. They're literally heroes to you. Sure. And so coming uh, to the point where I was in that position, it was literally just insane. It yeah. was like... Like, I'm here. Like, I made it. And, you know, but it's not necessarily made it, but it's just, like you said, it's just the confirmation of, of everything you've done. It's being able to be recognized. Everybody, you know, loves to be recognized. I'm sure. You want to, you know, have people acknowledge you for your hard work. And so the title uh, is just that aspect of it. Like, because, like you said, externally, I don't care about it, really. I'm still going to work like I'm the number 275th player in the nation. But just being able to know that people appreciate your talent is, is definitely important.
So, Jalen, we only had you number five. That's good. I apologize for, for snubbing you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Terrible snub. But I don't know. Was there? I'm a I'm a big guy on just just moments. Was there ever a moment? Uh, I'm going to assume maybe it happened middle junior season. Maybe not until your summer at the opening. Or uh, was there ever a, a moment where you're like, you know what? I could do this forever. Like I'm really special at this sport. And I know you're extremely humble. But was there a game, a play, where the kind of light bulb just kind of turned on and you kind of realized, you know, I could dominate at this sport. I'm going to play in college. I can go in the NFL. Was there ever a time like that for you? Uh, my senior year. Because, um, like, I mean, I had good games my junior year, good games my senior year. But I think the breaking moment to me was uh, a game against Citrus Valley, one of our rival high schools, actually the week after I broke my hand. Uh, and I went out and got seven sacks. And it was at the point where, I, at, in, in that moment, I was literally like, there's no way you guys can block me. There's no way you can stop me. And I'm like, yeah. I, I love this. I love going out there, you know, doing it. Dominating. Do, literally dominating. You know dominating. And just, oh, yeah. just just messing around. Because once, once you start dominating, you can have fun with it. And yeah. so you start doing different things. You start playing with people. You start, yeah. you know, just seeing what you can do to be successful. And you just find out so much from yourself or about yourself as a football player through that. And so I think at that point, I kind of realized, like, man, I'm going to do this for as long as I can, for as long as my body will let me. So the recruiting came down to UCLA Stanford, correct? Uh, Is that about right? Not kind of, really. Not, not really? really? Tell uh, the story. Tell your story. Yeah, tell the story. Uh, I mean, I love Stanford, but they would money come early. So I, I knew from my junior year that I want to come, like, graduate early because yeah. I, I, I just – I'm so focused on the future and like I have so many big goals that I, I needed to get it started right away. When I found out you could do that, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come early. I'm going to get in, dominate, work my ass off, you know, be able to get bigger, be able to get in with the program, all that. So, um, so, um, Stanford was awesome. Like I said, I still have really good relationships with all the coaches and everything. Um, but when it came down to it, I mean, UCLA, I stayed steadfast throughout my commitment. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing that I pride myself on, just being loyal. Um, so, I mean, before that, though, it was down to, like, Washington, uh, UCLA, SC, even though fans won't like to hear that. <laughs> um, everybody, I mean, they're all great schools. And sure. Obviously, I think, personally, um, I would have loved anywhere I went, but I know for a fact, being here for seven months, I know for a fact that this is the right place for me. Now, obviously, family ties are strong. You gotta talk talk a little bit about that if you can. Uh, how many family members? I, I I get confused. Is it your dad? Maybe a grandfather? Some aunts, uncles? Who who all went to UCLA from your family? So my dad came here to transfer from a uh, school in Riverside, La Sierra. Um, uh, so my dad came here, uh, music scholarship, got his law degree here. Uh, my grandpa was the head of the music department. Um, Oh, so that's way over on that side of campus for like what twenty years, something like that, something ridiculous. Grandma taught French here. Um, my aunt played the French horn here, so I just have a ton of connections. You kind of grew up at Bruin. Oh yeah, definitely. Been on, been, I've been on this campus hundreds, hundreds of times even before I came in. So we got a lot of players, high school players who listen to our show. Also, also parents, tell us maybe your favorite or your most interesting recruiting experience this past off season. Well, I'll share a negative one and a positive one. Okay, good. Um, so I'm not going to say the specific school because I don't want to throw dirt on anybody. Excellent. Um, but so my first, it was actually my first unofficial visit. Um, so I'd been talking. So this is actually kind of a warning to people. Um, so I've been talking to this, this coach. I think he's a GA or like a special teams coach, whatever, for 
literally, you know, weeks and weeks, months before this this visit. And so he's just hyping it up. We're going to offer you when we get to the, here. We just need you to come out here. We need to see you. We need to see you, uh, your campus, everything like that. But we're going to offer you for sure. Like, I've talked to Coach. We're going to offer you. So I got my hopes up. You know what I'm saying? I sure. had Actually, I don't even think I had an offer at that point. I might have had, well, had the Washington offer. But anyways, so end up going on a trip, um, get there, and just everything, you know, they – kind of relate when we got there and it just didn't feel right. And yeah. so and so we go to the game and after the game, uh kind of still waiting to talk to the coaches or whatever and um and he was like, uh yeah, you can come by tomorrow. I'm like, you know, we'll talk, whatever, go to the offices, we get more one on one. So okay for sure. So they're gonna offer me tomorrow. So I come uh the next day and we get there and we walk in, the defensive uh, coordinator is just sitting there watching film like half asleep, not even talking or whatever. So we're really like, you know, my mom and my dad are here like Expecting to get treated like we're on a visit. This was, I want to talk about the school. I want to talk about just academics, everything, the football team. So he kind of like kind of kicks us out without saying it. So we go to the head coach's office and he's sitting there with his shoes off, kicks your feet kicked up on the desk, not like really saying anything, just casual. So I mean, at that point, I was just kind of like, wow, this is a bust. <laughs> and I mean, that, and that's pretty much it's it's hard because when you have like so many expectations, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna get off, I'm gonna get yeah, off, yeah, and then sure. they just blow you off. It's like. Yeah. So that was that was my only really negative experience, and then my best experience was went to a school and um, get there, and it, it was like literally two three weeks after the first visit. So I was kind of expecting the same thing to happen, like not knowing when I was offered, anxious the whole weekend, moody, mom was mad at me, all that. So yeah, we get into uh, it was like the next day. So like I said, same thing, game, and the next day we met with the coaches. We get in there, and we're sitting there. Uh, and one of the coaches, uh, defense coordinator, asked me, he was like, do you love football? I said, of course I love football. I said, no, do you really love football? Tell me why you love football. And I told him, I was like, this is what I'm passionate about. Like, I love this game. I'll die for this game. I call it there every day, wear my heart on my sleeve, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And he said, well, I want you to do it here. Like, you have a lot. And my mom starts bawling, crying. Yeah. And so that was probably the most special moment for me, just – being for like me personally, you know, getting that offer is like a sigh of relief. It's like, oh man, like awesome. Yeah. Uh, but sitting there seeing my mom, like this, that's her baby boy, you know, getting to fulfill his dreams. So yeah. that's always my first question. I, I, I always ask a kid, do you love football? Because so many, I've had kids say, you know what, I like football, but I don't love it. I just play because I'm good at it. Or I play because it opens up doors for me. Mm-hmm. I think football is so hard at the next level. If you don't love it and, and are passionate about it, you're just going to fizzle out. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot because growing up, I've seen, especially in high school, you see a lot of kids who like, literally die for football. Like, you know, football is everything. You know, don't don't have any backup plan. They don't have any other thing in their mind but football. And I was never like that. So I was thinking to myself, like, do I even really like football? Like, you know, why, why am I doing this? And it's, it's hard to go every day and put in your full effort and when you don't really like something. And so I had to really think to myself, like, you know, do I want to do this? Do I love this? And I just came to the conclusion, like I said before, that this is what I love doing, and this is what I'm going to do until I can, and I'm going to use it to to aid other people instead of myself, because I feel like I can't uh, be, uh, my life can't be fulfilled if I'm just doing everything for myself. Like, I need to see everybody eat around me. So, so UCLA... You commit there. Uh, in this day and age, man, everyone commits and then takes visits. It's just mm-hmm. kind of how it is. You never did that. But I got. I know you had a great relationship with Coach Mora, Coach Me, Coach Angus. But uh, over the course of, of your, you know, recruitment season's not going that well for them. Um, 
Was there ever a time you kind of had some second guessing of your commitment? You kind of, I know you had schools probably negative recruiting UCLA big time. Oh, yeah. uh, did you ever consider taking a visit, or even did it get as serious as maybe you thinking about maybe flipping to another school? Um, I mean, the reason I never really went on business stuff with that is just because I reminded my like my dad had obviously a big part uh, in my recruitment, uh, and he and I both shared the same idea that if I'm going to commit to a school, I have to be committed to that school. Because I didn't want to, because I mean, people get publicity and stuff from it, and people say, oh, all publicity is good publicity, but I, I didn't want to have my name out there as somebody who was going to change their mind about things. So when I made the decision, I was like, this is the decision I'm making, nothing's going to affect it other than something drastic, like, you know, a huge coaching change or something like that. So, I mean, schools... I was, like I said, I had a good relationship with all the coaches, so it wasn't that hard. It was hard for me, but I'm saying in terms of, like, people hitting me up all the time, this and that, I pretty much cut it off. I told them, like, I'm committed to so that there's nothing you can say that's going to get me to change. And it was all respectful, and they, they respected me, and I respected them. So it just kind of ended well like that. And so I didn't really have a lot of pressure to go anywhere else until, like, the very, very end is crush time. So, you know, you have school was saying, you know, oh, yeah, like, come here, like, I promise you it's going to be this and that. And, like, come on a visit, just get, come on a visit. And there was, like, rumors at one point that I was going on a visit to, like, to Washington and stuff like that. I remember so, that one. Yeah, people were just talking, <laughs> people were just talking. But, I mean, like I said, I was pretty steadfast all the time, so. So, at UCLA now, tell us about your transition. You graduated early from Redlands East. You're on campus at UCLA. Tell us about your transition, not really on a football field, as a, as a student athlete. Um, like school was pretty easy for me in high school, I'd say. And but I always had, I was stressed. My my parents especially always stressed grades. But I mean, personally, I like to compete not only with other people but myself. So I couldn't let myself get beat. Like I would wouldn't be happy with myself knowing that I didn't put in the effort to do the best I could. So coming here, after, you know, having four point six in high school, um, it, it's you know you expect to get the same grades and all that but then you get thrown in with the schedule that we have as, as student athletes uh just the you know obviously rigor of the, the course at UCLA because UCLA is you know top-notch school um but it's it hasn't been too bad I'd say we have a lot of resources so you know anytime I need tutoring anytime I need help with my mentors academic facilitators everything um I'm like I have it at my disposal because of UCLA um so it's been a pretty easy adjustment I'd say definitely busy but uh, in terms of grades and all that, I was on uh, you know, honors roll dean's list. Uh, I intend to keep it that way, so it's been pretty clear. What about from a football standpoint? I mean, I, I want to know about that. Obviously, spring ball, you, you're in there. I, I wasn't at spring ball, but I'm hearing you running with the ones quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, gained 20 pounds, muscle, body fats, leaner. Uh, how was the, the whole adjustment on the football field? Uh, if you can, talk about you mean some of the players. Anybody take under your wing, kind of help you out a little bit? What was the coaching like? Were they the same when they recruited you? As they are coaching you, know, you always hear stories about that being a little different. Yeah. Uh, how was that experience like for you? So about the coaches, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy here is because they're literally the most genuine people. They were the exact same way as they were before and the exact same way they are now. And like me, I know a lot of people don't really like to associate themselves with coaching. All that is keep it pretty much straight for business. But I like developing relationships with people. Yeah. And so I, I like the first, you know, four or five months here, I spent a lot, a lot of my time just in the sweat box with the GAs, just hanging out with them. Uh, you know, hanging out with the coaches, hanging, just literally walking around this office, the different rooms, just like, hey, 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 how you doing? Um, and so I was able to build uh, good relationships with the coaches then. So I know that 
I had like it, it's a family feel around here, so I feel comfortable. I'm happy here. Uh, in terms of like football adjusting wise, um, you know, my high school football was pretty competitive, but it wasn't like you know modern day. It wasn't St. John Bosco and things like this. So I think the best competition I had was in the Army game. Um, and so after the Army game, having experienced that, um, and I already knew that I was going to have to be, you know, the top of my game during spring ball because literally every single day, every single game, you're fighting for a spot. It's nothing's guaranteed, and you're going against people who are coming out of high school, four or five-star recruits who are bigger than you. They're people have been here for four or five years already. So I knew I had to get bigger in the offseason. So, you know, going through Coach Losi's program got me right, for sure. Like, not only just, like, pure size, but I got faster, stronger, got uh, more flexible. Um, so I think all of that together helped me in spring ball just be able to kind of uh, – the adjustment period wasn't as long as it is for a lot of other people from what I've heard. So I think I kind of just jumped right in and pretty much – was solid from the get-go. Um, learned a lot of things throughout spring ball. Learned a lot of things after spring ball. So I think that definitely uh, prepared me for the season coming up. How are the guys on the team with you? I mean, five-star guy, you're coming in, all these accolades. Did they kind of take you in? Were they kind of like any type of, you know, mild hazing? Like, oh, this rookie fresh. I mean, anything like that are go going on at all for you? I mean, I think people kind of want to to do that when you see like a five-star guy you th like i think people just automatically assume oh this guy's gonna be like arrogant he's gonna be cocky he's gonna be a prick that's not entitled but I, I wouldn't let that happen like i earn my respect and you can't like say oh you know he's entitled this and that when i'm out there you know working my butt off every day doing extra sets doing everything i can working just as hard or harder than me no matter what my status is and so at this point, like, it literally doesn't care. Like, people still make jokes, like, oh, five star, like, this and that, you're famous. But, I mean, it's just all funny games. And in terms of, like, like under my wing, our team is special because um, literally every single person on our team hangs out with each other. Like, there's, I, there's not one person on our team that I don't think I could sit down and have lunch with and, like, be perfectly fine. I think we're all just super close, and we all just have, like, you know, good bonds and stuff. Like, for even, like, seniors, juniors, sophomores, freshmen, it doesn't matter. So I think our team is pretty special in that aspect. Very cool. So kind of wrapping this interview up, Jalen, um, last question. What advice do you have for prospects in high school who are committed? What advice do you have for them kind of as they go through the recruiting prospect, excuse me, the, the recruiting process? Um, and I know you're strong on loyalty and commitment, but that's you and kind of your perspective. What advice would you give them? Just general advice, young guys going through the recruiting process, process kind of moving forward. Um, I'll just say that don't get caught up in the hype. It's really easy to, especially if you start getting a lot of publicity. Uh, it's really easy to get caught up in listening to yourself and reading. Like I, I, I admit it. Like I, I look myself up online. Watch <laughs> yeah, myself. Look yourself I times. still watch my highlight videos. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, it's it's cool. It's like your work, what you put in. It's, sure. like, it's, it's your it's resume. Knowledge. However. It, I've seen a lot of people get caught up in that and just became completely just terrible to work with. They stop working hard. They, like I said, they get entitled. They get you know, complacent. And I think complacency is literally the worst thing that you can do as a football player. I think you got to know, like you said, it's NFL players who are learning new things every day. You know, 10-year veterans who are learning new things every day. So you just got to go out every day and try to be the best version of yourself. And Coach Losey preaches he, he says get 1% better every day. Um, so, I mean, if you're having days where you're not doing anything to improve yourself, whether it's mentally, 
physically, yeah. spiritually, emotionally, like literally just bettering yourself as a whole every single day. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, like I said, I'll tell everybody, like literally if I were to give advice, it's short and sweet, stay focused, have a great attitude, and give 100% effort. That's, that's a great answer. Well, mm -hmm. well, gentlemen, we appreciate you taking time, hanging out with myself Texas and Jimmy. baby. Texas A&M. It's going down at the Rose Bowl. They had a defensive end last year who was kind of good. Went number he, one he to okay. Jalen. I could see you there in three years, man. I could see you in three years. That's got to be your goal. Man, we appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on The Transparent Truth. My man, Jalen Phillips, number one rated out of 2017. This year's freshman of the year in the Pac-12. Defensive end. I'm calling it right now. I'm first guessing. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jalen Phillips. That was great. I, that was knowledgeable. That was wisdom. That was, uh, that was a special interview. What an outstanding young guy. And, you know, we're projecting him to be the top pick in the draft in, in three years. I know you are. I know I am. And what an impressive physically and, 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 and psychologically, emotionally. Spiritually. I mean, he just, yeah, he's just, name a, it. he's just a sharp cat, oh, man. man. Uh, big time dude. So speaking of yeah. Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Let's run down our top five players in 2017 who are going to be freshmen this year in college. Yep, yep. Starting off with the running back at University of Alabama. Hashtag roll tide, Najee Harris. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to kind of do a little look back and, and honestly look at this, this top five. I mean, these guys are all just dudes. I don't see a guy in our top five that I'm ashamed of right now. Najee, I tell you what, the first time I met, met Najee is me and Brandon Huffman. Uh, we're at a Nike camp in Oakland. He was in eighth grade going to his freshman year. Wow. And our buddy Maury, you know Maury, yeah, sure. said, uh, you know, hey, would you mind interviewing this guy? And uh, I think Maury asked about three or four other people. <laughs> they said, no, forget it. And, right. uh, you know, that Maury's our boy. He takes us to sushi every year after the camp. Yeah. So Huffman said, okay, I'll interview Najee. Uh, not much to talk about. He's an eighth grader going to his freshman year. But from that point on, uh, through Maury, we always had a, a pretty unique relationship with, with Najee and just watching him grow and develop. And Maury said, you know, he's going to be the next Joe Mixon. Like, yeah, whatever, the next Joe Mixon. Right. He's better than Joe Mixon. I mean, he, and I love Joe. Yeah. Um, Najee is a, is bigger, stronger, um, fluid, tough. Right. He, I, I think you make an argument, the best running back to come out of California in the last decade I can't think of a guy I would take over him from California. Yeah. And I think he, you know, I know we love comparisons, not just because of the hair, but I see a lot of Todd Gurley. I'm a Rams guy. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wearing a Rams shirt as we speak, but same, you know, long 6'2". Yeah. Um, kind of similar running style. Right. Uh, similar hands at the backfield. I think the guy has a chance to play as a true freshman. I don't care how Bama is loaded at running backs. He will play a lot next year, and he's going to be, he's three and out. I think he's that good. Speaking of Najee, I'll be out in Alabama this weekend. And I'm going to spend some time with Najee at that Alabama facility. And yeah, he's a special talent. Like you said, decade plus, 6'2", 235, you know, 4'6", speed, uh, jumping over people. I spoke with assistant coach Tosh Lupoy. He says, man, this guy's going to run for 800 yards and have 10 touchdowns as a true freshman. He probably won the Heisman as a junior. He'll be a first-round draft pick. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, not bad. Moving along, Foster Sorrell, big offensive tackle, headed to Stanford. What do you think? I mean, my guy, again, Brandon Huffman, said he's probably the best O-lineman he's ever seen wow. out of Washington. And we were both, you know, David DeCastro, Josh Garnett, a couple sure. first-round picks. Sure. Uh, Zach Banner is a Washington guy. But, you know, Foster's unique in that he was a basketball player first. Yep. And I think if you are a tackle, I think two sports that are great for your development are volleyball and basketball. Lateral mobility. Yep. Fast twitch. Basketball. Short area quickness. Yep. Uh, you know, all that stuff is so good for you. And Foster is such a coordinated. You know, some guys you see them are kind of big, but they're clumsy. 
uh, at the next level, everybody's big. Yeah. It's those guys that can move yeah. who have a special one. And I think Foster is such a mobile, coordinated athlete. You know, MVP at the opening last year among the O-linemen. Uh, I think it was close. Natural tackle. I would not be shocked if he moves inside, plays some guards. He's got a kind of a guard body, but he's, you know, he's a big kid too. He's 6'5". He's just kind of a thick shoulder, you know, thick-waisted guy. So I like that versatility of him being able to switch between tackle and guard, but I think he's I think he's a heck of a football player. Yeah, saw him match up against Jalen Phillips um, at the opening mm-hmm. last year. It was a great battle. I think Jalen won a couple. Foster won a couple. Yeah. They went back and forth, but, I mean, just big, athletic, light on his feet, strong. You know, I think they call him the bear or something like that <laughs> out there. He's a, he's a big-time player. Moving along, number three, Cam Akers out of yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. What an impressive-looking guy. Some of our guys in the South, you know, I have to fight for Najee to be that top running back because they, yeah. they swear Same. by Akers. And Akers. Same. Dude, he looks a lot like Ezekiel Elliott, just his running style and his body structure. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he inside guy, outside guy. He can take it. You know, he can go the distance. He can get those tough yards. Uh, again, watched him at the opening last year. Catch the ball very, you know, effortlessly and effectively. Uh, Cam Akers at number three. I would not be shocked if he has a, the best career out of all these guys. I think wow. he's the real. I think Cam's really good. Yeah, he, he's a, a great football player. It kind of shocked me a little bit. He kind of measured in at 5'10", about 200, 205 pounds. It's like Ezekiel, same frame as Ezekiel. You know, sub-six feet guys. So, yeah. yeah. Um, shocked me. He's a little smaller than what I, what I thought he was or what yeah. I anticipated he would be. But, yeah, strong as Extremely ox. strong. Uh, yeah. His contact balance is phenomenal. You just can't knock him off his feet. He's mm-hmm. explosive. My guy, Demetrius Warren, out there, varsity preps, I mean, he swears by him, calls him the best back that's come out of Mississippi since uh, the best that never was. Oh, man, Marcus? Yeah, Marcus Dupree. Great. So, uh, you know, Cam Akers, how about this? They're matching up. Game number one. Dude. Florida State, Alabama. I'll be watching. I'll, I'll be, be watching that for sure. Yeah, there's no question. Now she hears Cam Akers going head-to-head. Number four, Walker Little. Yes, another, Walker Little. Another offensive lineman. Yep. Sounds like a Texas. That just sounds like a kid that would come from Texas and play an offensive line. Big Walker, Walker Little. Little. And again, man, it was a fight with Keith Foster. A lot of people feel like, hey, you know, Walker is the more fluid athlete among those two guys, both going to Stanford. Stanford, yeah. embarrassment of riches on that offensive line. Oh, yeah. Walker is probably the more ta- more natural tackle prospect. Uh, probably the number two tackle behind Foster at the opening last year, but incredible in film. Uh, physical at the point of attack. He can get to the second level. He can make blocks on a linebacker or safety. Just Really mobile, and again, next level. It's all about your mobility. He's got the prototype left tackle frame. I could easily envision Walker on the left side, Foster on the right side, oh, yeah. and just Stanford just having that one with another great offensive lines for the Cardinal. Yeah, that's like you said, an embarrassment of riches. And what 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 great job recruiting by that Stanford staff. Yeah. Well, now to number five, scouts number five player in the country, but number one in our hearts. <laughs> Number one in our hearts and the one in the composites, Jalen Phillips. We've already talked a ton about Jalen, yeah. but uh, I think top five is a great spot considering where we started from. I mean, he's a guy who every time we saw, you know, we kept moving him up 50 spots, 40 spots, yeah. 30 more spots wow. until finally, you know, he got in that top five. And it was, I mean, he it was earned, not given, right? I think another one of your coin phrases, yeah. he, he earned it. He didn't come in, like he mentioned, like he mentioned, he wasn't a phenom. He wasn't a dude. He didn't play varsity his junior year. Yeah, pretty much. So he had two years of film. Yeah. And in those two years, and in some of those postseason events, the opening, the Army game, he's just dominant football player. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that um, 99% of the time, Greg, the biggest, fastest, strongest team that's on the field is going to win. Yep. So when I was a coach, we used to spend 99% of our time getting as big and as strong and as fast as we could. And, and, you know, consequently, we had a lot of success when I was a ball coach. Jalen just fits that mode. 
you can't have enough big, strong, fast guys. And this kid's a horse. Um, not only is he a horse, the kid is super talented in terms of learning the game, his mental makeup, uh, his his capacity for learning, his thirst for learning, right? And and those are the guys who just there's no ceiling on them because he can continue to get better. He talked to us about off air about how you know he thought he knew how to play football until he got here to UCLA. Yeah, how much he's learned in the last kind of six to nine months. And I said, you don't even know how much you're going to learn in the next three to four years is going to be crazy. Yeah. Right. Your development is going to, is going to continue. You're going to keep ascending. And, um, he was a linebacker. I mean, at the opening, yeah, he was, he was playing. He didn't have to get into his three point stance. He was trying to do a uncomfortable. He was trying to rush out of a two point stance. Didn't really know how to use his hands. Well, yeah. You know, in a, in a game where he can just kind of, you know, run around and create havoc. But in that in that setting, I think the opening actually kind of hurt him in terms of you couldn't tell what he can you can see how good he really is because he doesn't play with his hand down. No, he doesn't. You know, he plays linebacker. He does, and he can run around and he you know that little combined O line D line area. That's not really him. No. So he's going to learn to use those hands and to play with his hand down and be able to get off blocks better and you know be, develop some counter moves and all that. Right now, it's just pure athleticism and strength and toughness. And he's what? What do you say? You know. Seven sacks one game and six another and yeah. finish with 20-something. and Unstoppable. Here's my projection. Eight sacks, 12 tackles for loss, freshman All-American, second-team All-Pac-12. How about this NFL comparison? Willie McGinnis. Hmm. What do you think? Willie McGinnis. Hmm. Have the athleticism to stand up and move around and defend with the length and the flexibility to put his hand down and rush the passer. Only a multi-Super Bowl championship winner, super athletic basketball player in high school as well. Yeah. Six five, long. I mean, Jalen, man, two fifty-five. We say two sixty-five. He's probably yeah. gonna be there in the season. Yeah. I mean, the guy looks. I mean, he's in great shape. He's ripped. Yeah. He's you know who he kind of reminds me of? And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with another Trojan, Clay Matthews. Okay. All because of the passion they play. You know, Clay. You, yeah. you, you watch him play. The hair's flying all over the place, and he was. In, He's an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he comes off the edge, but he can drop and play. Yeah, I feel like Willie was more of just a straight line pass rusher, even though he was an athlete coming out of USC, but more more of a defensive end. I feel like Clay Matthews, just the same type of build and frame, and, and just again the two points. I could, cause I could honestly, as good as he's going to be, I won't be shocked if Jalen ends up an outside linebacker in a three four. Because I, mean, I think he's got that kind of athleticism. And yeah, depending on I mean, if he's two eighty, probably no. Right. But if he stays in that 250, 260 range, I mean, shoot, nowadays, I mean, your boy Dayton Jones was playing linebacker last year at, what, 290, 285? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. if Jalen's 260 in the NFL, he could be a 3-4 yeah. outside backer. I mean, he's that athletic, but I kind of like the Clay Matthews one, too. But I think either one of them fits pretty yeah. well. Look, Jadavion Clowney, I mean, he's 270, yeah. standing up at 6'6", yeah. six six, playing yeah. outside backer. So, the game's yeah, changing. You, yeah, the game is sure. changing. So. Uh, that's going to bring bring us to a close, man. It's time to wrap this deal up, baby. Wrap this up, man. Another, you got heated, another you got, episode. You got, little, you got a little heated in this episode. Uh, look, this, the passion is inside. After us. Bring the fan mail. Bring the hate. Bring the energy. I love it all. Time to wrap this deal End of the up. day, though, Coach, I know that you want what's best for kids. So Absolutely. I think that's an important message that you got to always push out there because people are going to hear you and be like, man, this guy is obnoxious. This guy is crazy. Well, you know what, Greg? I don't mind people thinking what they think because I have my own opinions of them. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> it um, works both ways. It, it, you're right. It works both ways. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't wish any fatal 
failures to anybody. I I may wish hard times just to see you bounce back because I want to see you bounce back. That's a see, that's a good message to get out there. You know what I mean? So yep. trying to bring this thing to a close, man. Uh, Twitter drop, Coach Keith underscore NP at National Preps. Coach Keith underscore NP. Greg, drop it. Good. God bless. Good times. See you next week. Hey, on Twitter, my man at Greg Biggins. You can follow us on Twitter, our Twitter page, TransTruth92. You can follow us on Instagram, TransTruth714. Without further ado, time to bring this thing to an end. There's a new sheriff in town. What's his name? And his name is Richie Hammond. Nice. Y'all be cool. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? I'll answer the question. Nobody likes to be criticized, but constructive feedback is necessary if you want to grow, improve, and progress. Nobody likes to be criticized, but constructive feedback is necessary if you want to grow, improve, and progress. Nobody likes to be criticized, but constructive... The Transparent Truth.